morning. You're listening to The Vulture's Nest on 2SER, your weekly cultural criticism show. My name is Fiona Pepper and joining me in the nest this morning are fellow vultures Nick Healy. Hello. And our guest vultures Erin Turner. Morning. And Sarah Agar. Hello. Reaction journalism. Why does the internet's reaction to events turn into the news? We've seen evidence of this this week with the left shark craze and the hashtag lip spill. But that's up next. First... The Uber kittens that nearly broke the internet. On Thursday, Uber, the ride-sharing app, offered a bit more than rides around the city. In case you missed it, they had Uber kittens. In Melbourne, Geelong, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth, you could order a kitten car to come to your workplace for $40 for 15 minutes. And everyone gets to play with these cats. This was run in partnership with local cat shelters and all the money raised was donated back to these cat shelters. Uh, The aim was to raise awareness about animal adoption. Unfortunately, I couldn't help but let my cynicism get the better of me. Firstly, from the looks of Twitter, it seems that anyone working outside of a media outlet would never have managed to book a kitten car. Secondly, isn't it cruel to whore out a cat to a bunch of office workers to pat and goo and gar over till their heart's content and their Instagram feed is clogged? And thirdly, what the hell do kittens have to do with a taxi service? Is Uber really that concerned about raising awareness about animal adoption? Or is the marketing team just brainstorming, right, what's the most popular thing on the internet? Right, I've got it, cute kittens. Now, This all conveniently coincides with Uber's less than flattering public image. For starters, on the day of the Sydney siege, due to an in-demand algorithm which raises the cost of an Uber depending on the need, the cost of people understandably wanting to get out of Martin Place skyrocketed, Uber seemingly cashing in on this tragic event. Then, Uber's senior executive found himself in hot water after making remarks about tracking journalists who say negative things about his company And then on Thursday, the same day as Kitten Day, 11 UberX drivers were due to face hearings in Melbourne's Magistrates Court following a prosecution by the Taxi Services Commission. The drivers are being charged with operating a commercial passenger vehicle without a licence. So questions surrounding the legality of UberX are still kicking around. On Friday, in a hilarious turn of events, the Victorian Taxi Association made a donation to Wildlife Victoria, supporting their efforts to control the effect feral animals have on native Victorian wildlife. And of course, there has been a change.org petition started too. So what do we think? Uber kittens raising awareness for animal adoption or just a blatant publicity stunt? Nick, what do you think? Publicity. Yeah. Absolutely publicity. But it worked. It got everyone talking about them. It really worked. But no, I mean, it's like, I think the Victorian Taxi Council called it the latest in a long line of glib marketing stunts. And it is. It's absolutely that. Are you guys as cynical? I think, why not both? Yes, it is a publicity stunt, but it's also raising awareness. There's almost a a public acceptance that, yeah, it's a publicity stunt, but also I really want my kittens. But... Uh, do they really care about animal adoption? No. I mean, like no. you mentioned earlier, Sarah, uh, they um, they didn't even announce how much they raised for these cat shelters. So it seems no, not pretty that I've seen. paper uh, thin. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with Nick on this. I think uh, Uber is not a charity. They're a business. Um, this was a fantastic promotional opportunity for them and uh, they've certainly 
managed to tap into a market there. But is it a harmful thing to do? I don't know. In the end, if there was some money raised for cats, that's great. Not sure if there was, but... Uh, look, 40 bucks, apparently. So every time you wanted to pat a kitten, it was 40 bucks for them to drive them around. I've got to admit, I worried that it was quite cruel. Like, mm. I, I, you know, cats don't like being driven, as anyone who's ever owned a cat knows. Like, they are not like, oh, shit, yeah, cool, I'll hop in the back seat. Where are we going? It's not a dog. But I spoke to some people who do the PR for Uber, and they said that the Cat Protection Society had very, very, very strict checks and balances around this sort of stuff. And it made me feel a lot better about it, I have to say. Mm. But, I mean, the Victorian uh, Taxi Association came (laughs) out and said, you know, they should focus on the actual problems that uh, Uber is facing, you know, in terms of this algorithm, go and fix it. Um, you know, there was a young woman that was abused in an, in an Uber car on New Year's Eve. Like, make sure you've got better security. Like, that's not as cute oh, as kittens. I think the taxi council could, like, <laughs> remove the moat from their own eye <laughs> on that one. I think, let's be honest, when you I know, want to do probably, a quick Google search for taxi yeah, assault. Yeah, coming from the wrong people. But with social media, we just see an onslaught of gimmicky promotions, which kind of, they're all so paper thin. Yeah, but kittens. Yeah, exactly. Uber kittens. <laughs> My Twitter feed was extremely happy. There were just photos of cute cats or people demanding cute cats and being very disappointed. Uber, the demand is interesting. Kittens. No surge pricing on the kittens. Now, Sarah and Erin, you work together and you tried to get some Uber kittens, I hear? We did. Erin um, launched a mini Twitter campaign. <laughs> Trying to get some kittens sent to our office. Unfortunately, it was unsuccessful, despite being on the phone for the full four hours, I think. Refresh, refresh. Still no kittens Mm. in your area. I don't think... um, Well, we didn't work at news.com.au or at SMH, so there were no kittens for us. Or a radio station. Oh, that's, I saw photos with, um, you know, the Today team. Uh, yes. Okay. The only non-news uh, uh, organisation I saw was kittens was the Red Cross. And I feel like they deserve kittens. More. There were yes. a couple of other PR groups who were tweeting photos of them with the kittens. So I thought that was interesting as well. And, I mean, on top of the uh, animal adoption raising awareness, <laughs> um, also the cats boost morale within the workplace. We can't deny that. Look, no one was going to adopt one of those cats. Like, no one kind of like, you know, taxi pulls up, a whole bunch of kittens in the back seat. You're going to coo over them. You're going to pat them. But no one's going to say, oh, by the way, I'll take the one with the white patch. Mm. I don't know. I'd think about it. I would seriously think about it. You'd think about it. You would think about it and you wouldn't do it. So I'm willing to say not one of those cats got adopted. So call me if I'm wrong, Uber. Please do. But not one of those cats found a home. We'll have to do some research. Sorry, I think everyone's actually looking sad. really sad now. <laughs> Sorry about that. But I think also, um, in theory, Uber Kittens is really cute, but it could go totally pear-shaped. You know, do these Uber drivers, do they know how to drive with cats in the one car? One dead cat, one crashed car with a bucket of cats on the back seat oh. is all it would have taken <laughs> it for this to have been wrong. the disaster of the century. Or the cats arrive and they need to go to the toilet. Oh, no, the cat shat on a lot of people, apparently. <laughs> I did hear this from people. Like, apparently a lot of that occurred. Yes. i got to say, though, I loved the Victorian ca- Taxi Council response of, like, donating money to control feral populations. Because they are literally saying, well, Uber, you know what? We're giving people money to go shoot cats. How do you feel about that? <laughs> yes, but Nick, feral animals in Australia is a Absolutely huge massive problem. problem. I'm a cat not... owner, and I think feral animals should be put down. I'm comfortable with that. Yep. 
we, Maybe that's Uber's next promotion, yeah. rounding up feral cats. cats. Yeah, <laughs> big big Uber truck full of feral cats just dropped off at anyone who tweeted them rudely. Well, that's what I also wondered. What happens with these kittens uh, when they're not kittens anymore? Well, what happens to any kitten when they're not a kitten anymore? When they turn not- into a yowling monster who you wish you'd never <laughs> brought home. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking the hard-hitting t- topics here at the Vulture's Nest. Uh, next up, we're going to be talking about reaction journalism. Uh, why do tweets make the news? You're listening to The Vulture's Nest on 2SER. I'm Fiona Pepper and I'm joined by Nick Healy, Aaron Turner and Sarah Agar. So Nick Healy has coined a new phrase here at The Vulture's Nest, memalism, otherwise known as reaction journalism. Erin, can you help us out? What is this new phenomenon? Well, it's very interesting. If you've been watching the internet this week, you may have come across the cultural phenomenon of left shark. So during Katy Perry's halftime performance at Super Bowl, two dancers in giant shark costumes joined her on stage. Right shark was a professional, but left shark, he danced like he was drunk and confused. For 20 glorious seconds, left shark moved out of time. And of course, the internet reacted. But then so did the media. News sites started to carry stories not about the glory of left shark, but about the social media reaction to left shark. Stories listed tweets, memes, GIFs. There's an amazing summary of Left Shark Valentine's Day messages. So you can let your loved one know, I might be Left Shark, but I'm the right shark for you. Even respected sites like The Atlantic got in on the action with a summary of the best tweets in an article respectably named, Consider the Left Shark. This isn't new. Online reactions as news was pioneered by a lot of social media sites like BuzzFeed. But we're seeing it on established news sites and we're seeing it more often. This morning I went on to news.com.au and I found an article devoted to internet reactions to Zimbabwean President Robert Mugabe tripping on an airport red carpet. Uh, there's plenty of space devoted to Mugabe as Michael Jackson photoshops, but nothing but a short mention about the fact that Mugabe has been elected chairman of the African Union, an important move in international politics. Now, I am a fan of a good gif or a great meme, but I have to ask, is this what we want from our news sites? It feels like a sugary, corrosive form of news rather than wholesome facts. And if I want to see the best of Twitter, can I just go to Twitter? Why do I need news outlets to summarise what I can get myself? The big question, I think, is when is it okay to write a story about reactions? And when do we need the real news? And why is a man dancing out of time in a shark costume so darn fascinating? I loved Left Shark. (laughs) I know that's not what we're actually talking about, but I loved Left Shark. Like, when you see the little sleepy eyes and the bad movements on him and you just think, six years at Juilliard. Six (laughs) years at Juilliard. So uh, what I think, my theory behind our uh, reaction journalism, or memalism, as you like to call it, Nikki. Seriously, worst word I've ever made up, but go on. Yeah, I I think news outlets are trying to reflect our news feed on social media. You know, like you get depending on what pages you follow, but you get some, you know, liberal spill and then you get a nice little quirky bit of news about someone falling off a bike and then a cute cat photo and, you know, like it's a nice mix and I feel like that's what media outlets are trying to strive towards. Unfortunately, you know, respected 
uh, news outlets are doing this, which is, you know. I, I just don't get it. Like, we've already got that. Like, as you say, that's already on my Twitter feed. I don't need it on a media outlet immediately afterwards. Mm. Exactly. I'm on Twitter. I can see Twitter's reaction. It's really bizarre. It's like a film review that just patiently explained the entire film to you. I mean, that's what it is. It's like, here's what happened on Twitter. But on a more serious note, you know, not left shark, you look at the Sydney siege and if we hadn't have seen articles in the Sydney Morning Herald or any other news outlet uh, about the I'll ride with you hashtag, then they wouldn't have been doing their job because that was that was a massive, that was a reaction to a, a news event. Mm, yeah, Twitter itself was the news. Yeah. I guess that that's an interesting distinction. When is it filler, which I have to say, I, I felt like some of the Left Shark articles were just rush journalists looking for a bit of clickbait, as opposed to some interesting analysis of something quite meaningful, like I'll ride with you. What do you think, Sarah? Oh, well, I think with things like Left Shark, it's sort of the reality TV of news. It's cheap, <laughs> it's fast, you can put it together very quickly. I, I think part of it is what you've described. It's this attempt to reflect a sort of Facebook feed style of news, but also it is just very cheap and easy to put together. Whereas something like I'll Ride With You is actual news. It's it's developing and mm. people want to know about it. And on the flip side, there's actually, Twitter is starting to me to become a source of really quality news. Um, some of the journalists from BuzzFeed go to events. They are reporting on Twitter. I know I can get better information from them sometimes than I can get from news sites themselves, which is quite an interesting reversal. Mark DeStefano's uh, coverage of the Sydney Siege, which was done entirely on Twitter and then written up later, was great. And some of the best stuff you could have read was really good. For uh, I'm not personally a huge Twitter user, but if I, you know, if I see a screenshot of a good tweet that, you know, is concise <laughs> and informative, then it's like, oh, okay, right, someone just tweeted that. And I, I kind of don't think less of the journalists putting that in there because I actually haven't seen it on Twitter. But mm. some context is one thing. But I'm looking at this story right now that I ended up in. It's the news.com.au. Twitter reacts to possible lib spill. And there's just, it's not even me. I've retweeted Steph Harmon and I've ended up in it. Like, it's not even something I've said. It's the most arbitrary thing to put in a story imaginable. Copy and paste top tweets on Twitter. It wasn't even a top story. tweet. It wasn't even one of my best. I'm hilarious on Twitter. <laughs> and this was just, this was phoning it in. But are we getting stuck into poor old journalists who, you know, as we've seen, a lot of journalists have lost their jobs of late and there's a lot, you know, being asked of the journalists remaining. A bit of copy and paste. Look, there you is. Know, never went astray. You are right. As, as a person who makes his money as a journalist, you get asked a lot. Mm. But the more stuff like this happens, the less trust people have in media outlets. And I think it's important for these guys, if they want to remain a traditional media outlet, to start differentiating themselves from the BuzzFeeds of the world. There's room for BuzzFeed and there is room for really good news services. Like, apparently, The Atlantic. Never knew that was respected. Go figure. But um, there's lots of room out there for differing forms of journalism. Don't all become the one homogenous thing repeating what just happened on Twitter. Mm. Mm. But I think at the same time, uh, journalists are being encouraged to multi-platform, create, you know, news which is incorporating all these different aspects, video, vines, whatever. So maybe we're just trying to figure what that is. 
Mm, so what makes good meme-based or Twitter-based journalism? Because there's definitely good and bad examples out there. Yeah, and we're giving the audience, you know, they, they understand how Twitter works and they understand, you know, it's it's short and sharp and you get it quickly. And also often it's quite funny and it's witty and, you, you know, maybe the journalist isn't quite as witty as the person writing the tweet. Like Nick Healy. <laughs> they have to bring Nick into this series. Look, I, I agree. It is, you know, Twitter is where a good bit of wit or a good bit of information can go really, really far. Or just Photoshopping speed dealer sunnies onto anyone. Like, you know, you can always do that as well. I just like my journalism to be journalism. Mm, that's mm. it. I can get cheap internet fluff on a lot of different sites, but... I'm finding it harder to get news. I'm finding it hard to find a great story on Mugabe being chairman of the African Union as opposed to Mugabe falling over memes everywhere. Mm. You've been listening to The Vulture's Nest on 2SER. Stay tuned because up next we've got So Hot Right Now. (laughs) 